All right, we're live. First of all, ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad to announce that I got my IV Talk set portion of my podcast channel back up and running. I've been uh, working on the Guardian 615, and I was able to find someone to come on and talk a little more, a little more educational stuff, a little more insightful stuff than just, you know, guys talking trash. Uh, so today I have my good buddy out here in San Antonio, Texas, Mr. Xavier Jackson. So Xavier, just kind of introduce yourself. Um, you can talk about where you grew up, uh, kind of how you got here and uh, just go from anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm Xavier. I grew up Houston, Texas, about three hours from here. Uh, pretty big city. And man, it's been a long road, you know. Uh, oof. <laughs> Started off physics, not one of the, the traditional paths I think most people go on. So kind of just ended up here by accident. I just uh, kept finding new solutions and then, you know, going along the way. So I guess I'll start a quick little backstory. Uh, start uh, yeah, high school. Uh, one of my professors, my teachers at the time, made me stay after class to apply for college because at that time I was kind of like, yeah, you know, college, it is what it is, you know, I just wanted, you know, I just wanted to hang, hang out with my boys, you know, get into like this thing at Houston, we got the slab game and all that stuff, which is a bunch of cars and, you know, it, you know, it is not the most career, uh, <laughs> the best, best career advice at all. So he made me apply to college after class and so I got in, I was like, all right, I guess I'll go, you know, so... Yeah, ended up going. I was a accountant at first, then transitioned to a chemist. I was like, yeah, this is kind of boring. And uh, man, I got lucky along the way. I met uh, one of my good buddies now today, a guy named Dennis, um, another black guy. I was like, bad. We found out we were from like uh, 15, 20 minutes away from Houston. We grew up in the same place because we're in Huntsville at this time. Right. Now, well, yeah, man. What's up? I ended up going to school with his, one of his brothers. So it was like kind of you know, like an automatic, like oh, cool, you know, somebody, you know, from the same place, right? Same Connection. Place. Yeah, on the spot. So he kind of, but he was uh, way more focused and disciplined than me. I was just out there just partying, you know, doing the most. <laughs> and he was out there kind of keeping me stable. Like, come on, hey, man, you you gonna be studying, bro? I'm like, yeah, 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 I got it, you know. I like to just, you know, push myself. You know, I come up to the exam and I see what I do. You know, that that took a while. I ended up retaking some classes that I finally, uh, uh, I forgot what semester it was. But I was like, man, you know what? Uh, Parting's getting kind of old, you know, all that stuff. Let me just get serious. So, you know, I got a little bit more serious and he was telling me he was about to transfer. I was like, where you going? He was like, uh, he was like I got to get out of here. Dude, pretty smart. So he ended up going to UT uh, Austin. And I was like, yeah, you know what, man? The school is a good school, but it's not for what I want to do. So I went to U of H. So we left at the same time. Right. And then uh, luckily, man, U of H just so happened to have a, a good group of people. So I met a lot more minorities up there. Uh, at least about five or six of us. We all kind of just stayed together. I keep in touch with a lot of them today. Right. We all branched off in different places, but 
yeah, for the most part, I think those uh those connections really kept me going because along the way, you know, stuff happens, right. family, all this other stuff, and it just gets rough. So uh, I think those connections probably are the most important thing. Yeah. Then from there, you know, I graduated. Uh, I had this terrible job. I was bored. It was not exciting. I started off as a field engineer. So they would, uh, you know, we'd get in a truck, drive out over to West Texas, over near Texas Tech, kind of like Odessa side. Mm -hmm. You've seen Friday Night Lights. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's cool way over there, middle of nowhere. Uh, oof, most boring mm -hmm. job of my life. And no internet service. We just sitting out there at a frack site, just looking at each other. And I was like, man. <laughs> This ain't, can, it. Huh? <laughs> this ain't it. This ain't it. This ain't it. The other people out there having fun. They're like, yeah, man, yeah, talking all this petroleum stuff. And I'm just like, I didn't uh <laughs> I, I ain't really saw it up. I mean, I heard the money was good out here, but you know, this ain't it for you. So I ended up talking to my boss. I was like, yeah, bro, I can't do this, man. I'm bored out there. It's no thought. Everything is just, you know, like it. I mean, I did construction work. Construction work, you gotta think a little bit. Most of the time, but this was just basic menial paths over and over. And I was like, yeah, I can't right. do that, bro. So he put me in the front office. He didn't really like that. I wasn't tripping. Uh, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be here long. So I ended up applying to school because, uh, uh, let's see, my buddy Dennis, he graduated. So he was applying to school also. And he ended up getting in. Uh, so he went to Princeton. He's there now. For grad school? Yeah, grad school. Oh, wow. Dude was pretty good, man. He's pretty cool. And I went here, and none of my good friends, Frieda, she, uh, I met her at U of H. So she went to MD Anderson. So we all three kind of just split up at the same time to go to different grad schools. And it was like, you know, not physically being together, but with the whole virtual thing, especially with the COVID, it was like, all right, you know, we're still here. That's what's up. And right. then, uh, yeah, you know, that, that's cool. And so I'm at UTSA. I mean, you, you know, we do all the hooping, you know. Yeah. All the fun stuff. So I'm like, all right, man, this kind of feels like back home, you know. Right, that connection, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, like, were you always into – so, uh, for people listening, uh, this this talk is focused on uh, my black – being black in STEM, and STEM is just basically your, your science fields. Um, but not only just black, but just minorities in general, it, it's this, you know, it's, it's something we, I wanted to talk on because there's this feeling of isolation that people that aren't in the minority group probably don't think about on their day-to-day -day lives. And so, uh, my question for you is, have you always been into science or was there like a turning point, maybe like middle school or early on? Cause like you said, uh, your, your, your teacher was like, Hey man, you should, you know, go to college. And you start off in accounting. Like, what what was the turning point that got you into the STEM field? Honestly, I think uh, I've always been good at math and good at science stuff, but I was horrible at English. So it was kind of like my hate, well, not hate, but just dislike for the way that they taught English and everything. I didn't, I didn't really connect to it. It was just too much writing. So I was like, you know, let me just go over here, focus more on like numbers and stuff, and. A lot of my teachers kind of realized like, I was catching on to a lot of topics a lot more than uh, the other students. You know, not to say anything, but so I was like, all right, you know, 
uh, this seemed like it's working. I'll stick with it. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So I guess along the way, I gradually increased interest more and more as far as, far as I'm going. Right. Uh, did you, uh, so the area in Houston, is it predominantly, did you go like a predominantly black uh, institution in high school? Oh man, high school. So we started off mostly black. It was a big football school, uh, North Shore. I think they won state like two years ago in a row. So everything's football, mostly black people. And then uh, the other side is Hispanic. So, you know, it's super minority school. Okay. Okay. Cause I, I'm, I'm from, for those, well, if you don't know by now, but for those that don't know, I'm from Nashville and I'm from Winston County, which is a predominantly white area in general. And more specifically my high school, especially I think my middle school I went to, you might've been able to count on your hands how many African-Americans were enrolled at the school. I think it was besides me and my brother, maybe like, I don't know the exact number, but there's probably 10 of us total, not including my me and my brother. Um, and I never, uh, so like for me, it was this, I felt this, this isolation like to the max like I grew I was born in Jackson Tennessee which is like right in the middle between Memphis and Nashville and I went to predominantly black uh, elementary school but when we moved to Nashville I had this culture shock because I went from you know you know you know it's just a different culture for going living in a black area to a white area so when I got to uh, when I got to Heritage Elementary School I didn't even I didn't know how to interact with white people like as a, as a whole, you know, individually, it's, you know, it's just like interacting with any, anybody else, but as a group, as a whole, like there's certain things I did that was cool when I was in Jackson, but when in here, they were like, what is this kid doing? Like, you know, and so I had this giant culture shock. All my teachers were white. All my teachers were female. So I didn't have that black male, not, you know, kind of role model mentor or whatever that I had nobody to relate to. I look at all these teachers and all these people, and I just felt like I didn't fit in. You know, as a kid, fitting in is everything, you know. You know, as you get older, it's kind of like whatever, you know. You got your groups. But as a kid, like, that's all All I wanted was attention. So I, that turned into acting up in class. Like, I stayed in timeout. I stayed losing minutes off of recess. Uh, but it's just interesting just hearing from other people their experience, um, even though – because uh, – I'll tell you this one story. I was in, this is high school, right? Now high school got a little more diverse. Like there was a good amount of us and you know, Nashville's a very, it's becoming a diverse area. Like 120 people move to Nashville a day. So it's becoming diverse. So in high school and you get other middle schools merged together when you get to high school, cause there weren't as many high schools there as now in, in uh, Spring Hill, Thompson Station area. Now they got high schools in every corner. But uh, so there was a lot of us and it became more diverse. But I think it is my sophomore or junior year of high school. So I'm 16, 17. I'm, I'm becoming a young adult. Yeah. They put me in a read 180 class. Now, if, for those that don't know what a read 180 class, it's a class that you would put people that have that you think have problems reading, right? Uh, yeah. Now, I'm not trying to disrespect people that actually need this, but I'm 17 you know, my grades are fine. I got A's and B's. My grades are fantastic. But for some reason, they thought I couldn't read, right? They put me in this class. 
And I'm not saying they put me in this class because I was black, yeah. but my reading my reading grades were just as high as everybody else in my English class. My writing skills were just as good as everybody else in my English class. But for some reason, I'm in this class with no, like, you know, it's not like I'm reading out loud and I'm struggling to read. I'm reading fine, but for some reason I get put in this class, right? So like, it, it seems like there's becomes these step stools or these become these events where you kind of get that feeling of like, I feel like I'm being targeted or like, I feel like I'm being put in here because there's just, you know, there's just that, that, that stigma or that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The stereotype that, you know, black people can't read as well as white people. Yeah. And so, you know, it kind of felt like in certain situations, you kind of fall to, you fall victim to those stereotypes. Um, but cause I, I, I see these things on Twitter. Like I didn't have a, I don't think I've had a single African-American teacher besides a PE teacher. Cause he was the football oh, coach. Yeah, yeah. I haven't had a single like true straight up. I'm trying to think I'm, I'm trying to go all the way back to elementary school. When I moved to Nashville, there was one female African-American teacher, but I never actually had her as a teacher. Mm. Um, but she kind of, my, she kind of, my mom, like, out to her to have her, like, look out, look out for me or whatever. But I don't think I actually had a legit African-American teacher to this day, except Dr. Nash. Oh, yeah. Dr. Nash, that, that was what, a year ago? Yeah. I'm, I'm, tw I'm about to be 26. A year ago was my first african-american teacher slash professor i've ever had just because yeah. the area and it's it makes a difference because like you know you feel like you connect you could go to them for things it's just like you know when you go to counselors i prefer going now obviously i'll go to any counselor if i need help or just need to talk about something but it's different when they look like you you feel like you can relate it's like you know we were talking to let's say a, a male uh, african-american about problems that you deal with it's like, you know what I'm talking about. You know, yeah. like like when I talk to you, when we talk about stuff just in the weight room or we're just driving around, it's like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, we, because we and you, we walk not in the same shoes, but we walk a similar path in a similar world because I know you know what I'm talking about when I talk about stuff versus if I was talking to, it, it, it doesn't even have to be white, but if I was talking to an Asian female about some of my problems, she's going to be like, I have no idea what you're talking about because- and I, I wouldn't understand a lot of stuff she goes through because there's just not that connection. Not that that's bad, but, you know, it's just not that connection. But that's just me ranting, just kind of just explaining some experiences. Uh, so kind of getting into some, I guess, some more negative things, just to lay it out on the table. Is there any, do you feel like you've had any type of discrimination or, any type of uh, problems in terms of academia just that you've experienced yeah, definitely, based on man. your race? Yeah, definitely. I, uh, when I first transferred to U of H, I sent in my transcript, the, which would have been the current transcript, which would have gotten me into the school, and into the program that I wanted. When I went down, you know, I'm from Houston, so I went home. And I went to talk to the people. I was like, hey, what's going on? I got this thing. I got in, but you put me in a different college. And I was like, yeah, and, uh, some other college. I forgot what it was. I think technology or something. And I was like, oh, well, we looked at your transcript and it didn't work. And I was like, I was just on the phone with the advisor. 
you know, of the of the physics department, I was like, yeah, my, my grades worried. Like, what are you talking about? I, and I sent the, the transcript, which is coming from an hour away. Like, Huntsville is an hour away from Houston. So I don't know what happened. And, you know, I came back within two weeks. And she was like, oh, I'm sorry, it's not showing up. You know, you just uh, got to come back another time. I was like, it's been two weeks for you to get one paper from an hour away. Like, yeah, this is ridiculous. You're most likely just not looking for it. But I was going through a lot of family stuff at the time. So I didn't really have the time to press her harder. So I was like, you know, let me just go to the, the school and come. And then, man, one of the faculty members uh, almost screwed me over big time. I almost failed the class, uh, which, oh, wow. which was a not important class because – you know, long story short, man, my mom pretty much passed away in 2016. So I was taking this one class. You know, I didn't have time to uh, do most of the work. And the other people were, you know, there were other professors, they was looking out for me. They was like, okay, you know, cool, just do the work at your own time, which the work wasn't anything groundbreaking. You know, especially within the grand scheme of things with the stuff we do now as research, that stuff was trivial at best compared right. to, you know, what you need to do on a daily basis. But the teacher was just so strict about having things in on time, on time. It was like either complete this class or get it incomplete. So, you know, I ended up just getting like a, a D plus or something. And, you know, she gave me the plus. She was like, well, I gave you the plus. So you don't have to retake the class. And I was like, man, you know, that's a, <laughs> right. that's a move right there, you know. So, you know, I talked to, and U of H is lucky because we had a, uh, our advisor, Dr. Stokes, she's black, and she knows Dr. Nash, of course, because uh, she also wrote my letter of recommendation and uh, to help get me into UTSA because they kind of screwed my GP up big. You know, I only took a few classes at U of H because I came in with like uh, 30 hours already. So, right. you know, the deep blood hit hard. I was like, man, but, you know. It is, it is what it is. Right. Yeah, just power through. Yeah. Um, for me, besides the whole re-180 incident, <laughs> I haven't had any large-scale discrimination. Because uh, surprisingly, since I got to college, 90% of my professors have been minorities, just not African-American. They've either been uh, Middle Eastern uh Middle Eastern, some type of like specific uh, Pacific Islander, they've all been minority. So I feel like to some extent, they kind of understand what it's like to be a minority in the STEM field. So I really haven't had those problems. Uh, I have had microaggressions towards my, uh, towards my education. So you, I'm, you look, you know what I'm talking about when you know, you know, you're talking, people you might not know, you're just talking, yada, yada, yada. And it gets, you know, somebody asks, you know, what do you do? You know, and I'm already like, all right, here it comes. You know, oh, you know, I'm a PhD student. Um, I'm an astrophysicist, yada, yada, yada. They're like, oh, wow. Like, you know, they kind of do the, the, oh, wow. That's like, I don't know how to, I don't know how, you, how I'm trying <laughs> to explain it, but it's almost like a shock to them because I get the, oh, I get the, oh, you don't look like you'd be a scientist kind yeah. of thing. It's like, well, what does a typical science, you know, what does a typical science look like? Because there is no, like, this is a scientist. This is what they look like, you know? So it's like, 
Now, I know they don't mean anything most of the time. At least I assume they don't mean anything negative about it. It's just, and I get it. You know, I played football in college, so I look like, you know, a jock. You know, jocks aren't known for being very, very educated, which is a problem that is another talk for another day. But, I, you know, I work out a lot. I, you know, I look like a meathead. Just looking at me like a meathead. I got the dreads. You know, I got piercings. I got tattoos. So they're like, you know, just looking at you, I wouldn't guess you're a scientist. I get it. And then even in the science field, astrophysics is a whole nother level on its own, right? So I get it. But it's like, that's, you know, that's yeah, not yeah. really, there's, there's no such thing as a, what a scientist looks like. But now getting into more inspirational, motivational stuff, I want to talk about, so kind of for the people uh, listening, explain. So we've been at UTSA two-ish years, right? Yeah. Uh, kind of explain what you've been doing the past couple of years up until like what you're doing now um, in terms of like your education and <clears throat> kind of the nuances of like your day-to-day -day, uh, research. And, and, and it also, before you get that, uh, talk about some of the classes we've taken to this point, just so they kind of know like, this is some like this is serious. Like we're talking serious education, like serious business here. Yeah, man. We uh just grad school alone, we go through the fundamentals again on a higher level, like uh, quantum mechanics, classical mechanics, electrodynamics, uh, you know, stuff like that. You got the electives uh, on top of that, so it's, it's always a hassle just keeping up with everything with the workloads and stuff, and trying to have a regular life on top of that. You know, it's. It's a lot that they ask for, which understandable because you know you're, you're you're trying to get the degree. But I guess inspiration stuff that I do. Um, I came here. I was really big. I was just really get back into programming because almost became a computer scientist. Which funny, I found out I had a brother that's a computer scientist also. But that's a different story. So I came here and I was. Uh, the one thing I wish that they would have did is include a little bit more programming in the courses instead of more so stuff by hand. And I feel that that's kind of getting outdated, oh, yeah. you know, with technology. So I use a lot of my spare time and free time just kind of going back and learning how can I solve real world problems with software because that's what I want to get paid to do at the end of the day, just, you know, maybe with a different title. So for my research, I started off, you know, as a TA, teaching students, uh, mostly non-physics majors about physics stuff, which was cool. It was a good experience just having that teacher-student dynamic. And then I moved on into research, which got cut off slightly because of COVID, you know, so I had to shelve that. And then finally last semester, I got back on to doing the research at a, a, at a rate that I was more comfortable with. And, you know, I, pretty much just been building simulations with these uh, proteins because I do uh, computational biophysics stuff, which, you know, just I look at a computer all day, which is kind of a dream job for me because that's what I like to do. I don't really like to be in the lab, you know, messing with stuff because, you know, I'll usually mess up, drop something, break something, and I just feel kind of clumsy in there. So with the computer, you know, if I type a wrong key, I can backspace. Right. So <laughs> I'm cool with that. But... I think it's a good, it's a good, uh, pretty good path, though. All right, so uh, I know, so I, <laughs> I've been, look, I, we've had this conversation before, but 
I know you're trying to get into industry. Uh, you don't yeah. want to stay in academia. So what's what's the plan? So for people that don't know, um, Xavier's actually, you're graduating in the summer? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, you're about, you're, we only have two weeks left in the semester. So you got a couple months left till you're done, done. Uh, yeah. Like, what's the plan? Like, uh, what's the plan? And what's the overall end game in terms of like, what's the dream job that you want to work to? I'll start with the end game first and then I'll work up to the plan. Okay. So the end game, a dream job, a dream job will be a data scientist for the Houston Rockets, you know, or okay. that, you know, yeah, that, that'd be a dream job. I got, you know, possibly tickets. I get to interact with the team. I could still be in the sports and do science at the same time. But the path to get there, which, you know, the, the timeline for that is, uh, I'm not sure, but either way. So pretty much just learn, 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 because there's a lot of jobs out there. Maybe not a Houston Rockets jobs. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty specific. But for just learning to be a data scientist, there's a ton of jobs out there. But, you know, the hardest part is just supplying those jobs. So you have to have to have people with a kind of particular set of skills, which not a true physicist, not a true statistician, not a true computer scientist, kind of like a mix of all three into one. So, you know, learn, my plan is to learn the physics, how to solve problems real world on paper, then put that on the computer and then combine more programming and then more stats to be a, you know, fully functional uh, data scientist. And then from that, just get jobs, get more experience, and build more programs under my belt. Get more, uh, get more projects under my belt, and eventually just take off from there and just kind of you know regular life, nothing too too crazy. House, some cars, a lot of cars, a lot of cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, man. Uh, um, so you know, I'm an astro. Yeah. We, have we taken every class together? Uh, you didn't, yeah, stat man, because you took that already. That's right, because right, I took that at Mizzou. I did, yeah. I did one year of a grad school at Mizzou, so I got to transfer. So you've taken a lot of astro classes. Yeah, there's not much bio courses offered here, but you know, I'm not a bio so guy. Tell me, tell me, so tell me how that is, because you know, especially a lot of sciences, uh, inter and multiple disciplinary which just means you kind of got to know, especially nowadays with technology and just the easy access to knowledge, you almost can't be just, you can't be so narrow in a field. You almost got to be a little bit of everything, almost like a jack of all trades like you talked about. So uh, what's your experience being uh, dabbling into, you know, the astro field a little bit? Uh, so I started off undergrad at U of H. I took my first astro course, intro to astrophysics, and I did not like it. I'm just being honest. I thought the the terminology was crazy. The you know the naming and all those conventions yeah. made no sense. Cause I was like, why don't why are we switching different definitions around or, or whatever you want to call it? Right. You know. Then some years happened since that, and I was like, you know what? UTSA got a big department of a bunch of astral courses. There's not much else I can really take. Might as well give it another try. Because um, I'm not a materials guy at all, I definitely stay away from that. So the courses here have been uh, pretty informational. I've learned a lot more so about application-based stuff, 
right. you know, not just stats and stuff like that, kind of just how to, about, how to go about solving problems, which it's cool because I can use similar thought processes for, you know, other aspects of life. So that's how I look at it. Not so much just learning that straight astral, just learning how do y'all approach the problems. Right. Fair enough, fair enough. You know, and then this semester, you know, I'm I'm taking a, a small step in your world with the <laughs> data mining, but I, I, I have no idea what's going on. Not even the slightest, but I got to know a little bit. Um, so we've kind of gone over like the big picture. Now, uh, what is the toughest thing that you've had to do in terms of just academics or like if there's any adversity you've had to fight through, whether whether it's discrimination or not, just the, the toughest thing you've had to do to get to where you are right now? Honestly, I think that's kind of a universal question. Like my toughest thing, not just in academics, you know, besides just being a minority, has always been uh, just – and I'm not, I don't know how can I say, just social anxiety. I think that's probably been the biggest. Um, I'm not the most social person, you know, if the, uh, <laughs> the viewers know, I don't really speak much. Uh, I don't really speak much at all. It's been that way for a lot. And I kind of avoid large crowds. So just, you know, being out there in a position to do stuff has been the most difficult thing. Right. Talking, uh, you know, in public and stuff like that. But I think the only thing that uh, kind of pushes me to do it is because I know it's scary. And I'm like, man, you know, I used to kind of just succumb to this before. And I was like, you know, it's a little scary, but why not just jump? So, right. yeah, I think that's definitely the biggest thing. It's funny you say that because I feel like that's kind of how we gravitated towards each other because I'm not like – you know, I'm sociable, but I don't, I don't like big crowds. I don't like going out. I kind of stick to myself. And I felt like, uh, the first day we were here, you know, I kind of felt that for me because, uh, we had the, uh, some like, and some, what is it? What do they call it? Uh, Man, the orientation CTE. thing. Yeah. Orientation. Sorry. My CTE's kicking in. Um, yeah, orientation. I think we sat at the same table or something like that Yeah, and we was just chilling. And I mean, I just remember just kind of talking to you. And I think we start, we initially connected because you like sports, the Houston teams and all that. And then it's kind of, you know, I can kind of tell that like, you don't like, you know, you don't do too much. Like you're not too extra. Cause so, I, if you like, if I'm with somebody, I feel like they do too much. Like they do, they like every night they got to go do something. You know, I'm like, oh man, that's cool. But you know, I'm gonna sit this one out. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of tell you were chill. I like being around chill people. Cause you know, chill, chill chill's just my vibe. I feel like that's how we, well, like how we kind of gravitated towards each other initially. Um, and then then you got me into all this UFC stuff. So I like watching people getting their face kicked in now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, I've said this before on Gardens of the 615 and some, some of my other guest speakers. Uh, for me, the toughest thing I've had to, I think the hardest, I've had two things that were the hardest thing for me to, to get through. It just in life. One was getting my Eagle Scout. That was that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my entire life because I was playing three sports year-round. I did football, basketball. Yeah. I did track year-round. I did basketball. Football was basically year-round because I had to train for year-round. And then basketball wasn't year – actually, it kind of was year-round. I basically did three sports year-round. 
And at the same time, you have to do all this stuff on the side side for Boy Scouts. It's it's I, it's a whole podcast for its own. Like you have to do all this other stuff on the side. There's that. The second was getting my bachelor's in uh, physics and astronomy while playing football. That that's probably number one because there were two semesters where uh, I didn't think I was gonna make it. And or, I'm a, I'm gonna kind of go into the backstory of how this all happened. So. First, let me say, when, when you go to play a sport at a university, especially a big university, they call us student athletes, you're athletic students. Like the sport, let's be, I'm gonna be honest, the sport comes first. The sport, the sport's priority number one, because they're, they're paying, your tuition's free. If your tuition's free, they take the priority because you don't go to school there unless you're playing the sport. Scholarship, right? So when we first get there, what they do to all the incoming freshmen is a free game for everybody. This is, this is what goes on behind the scenes. When you get there as a student athlete, that summer you get there, they put you in irrelevant classes. They put you in classes. Like I took acting for non-majors my first summer at Mizzou. I mean, we showed, we played Red Rover. We played freeze tag. Like we did all this, like we did like these skit things. We worked on improv. Like it was, it was fun class. I loved it. But as a, I, when I, the, I knew I was going to major in physics b- the moment before I stepped on campus. But, you know, I didn't know how college worked. So I was like, they put me in for non-majors. All right, cool. You know, finished 4.0 my first summer. So, you know, my GPA, perfect, right? And then my first semester, I took all these general study classes, these gen ed classes. 4.0, I'm like, bet, you know, I got a great GPA. So then they, they make us meet with our academic advisors on campus. You have an athletic, you have an advisor, that's through the football department. And you have an advisor that's through the actual college of science. So after my first year, I go to her and I, after my first semester, I go to her, I'm like, all right, what do I need? She's like, what have you done? I said, like, acted for non-majors. I took like, uh, I took uh, intimate relationships, some, some, some. She was like, what are you doing? I was like, are you a physics major? I was like, yeah. She's like, you haven't taken any physics courses. You got to take the Alex exam so you can get placed for math because my yeah. first summer, I should have taken uh, calculus one, mm-hmm. right? But I didn't. So that set me back. That my first year of college set me back almost two years, because I took the Alex exam. Um, I took the Alex exam and I didn't test out of college algebra. Well, what happened was uh, I hadn't taken a math class in a year because of that gap. I didn't do well in the Alex exam at all, and I'm a, I'm not a standardized test taker at all. I've I terrible standardized test taking. So I didn't, not only did I not test out of college algebra, I had to take uh, trigonometry. I had to take two classes, two math classes before I took Calc 1. And you can't take physics 1 until you, you're either in Calc 1 or you've taken Calc 1. So yeah. I spent the next semester in the summer taking trig and uh, another math class, I forget. Trig, I think trig and geometry, something like that. And then I finally got into Calc 1, and I'm taking University Physics 1. This is my second year in college. My, like, I'm pushing the, I'm pushing, right? So what had happened was I took all my general study classes all at once. The only thing I had left was <laughs> physics and math classes. So I'm like, okay, you know, cool. I've caught up. I used my summers to catch up. So I'm taking, I took Calc 2 in the summer. Terrible idea. Because it's, they can, it's, you know, it's a four-month yeah. class in eight weeks so what happened was is i'm taking 
I'm taking four, I'm taking four 4,000 level physics, two physics classes, 4,000 level higher, two math classes, 4,000 level higher. So that, that there was one semester I was in like, uh, I was in advanced physics lab. I was in matrix theory. I was in uh, advanced mathematics. I was in these super hard classes in the middle of season. Mm. I barely passed that semester just because of the workload class load. Yeah. So I'm like, so my advisor, football team, football advisor, their job is to make sure you're eligible. They don't care if you're, they care if you're going towards your degree, but their bottom line is, are you eligible? Mm-hmm. If you stay eligible, they keep their job. Whether you get your degree or not, you have to stay eligible. Mm-hmm. So he's like, hey, you might have to switch majors because you might not make it through semester. You might not be eligible because you, you won't be eligible next year because you got all these grades are terrible. I'm like, fam, like this is like, I'm not backing out because I really, really wanted to do this. So then there's that semester. Fast forward, fast forward. There's another semester. I have all C's, two F's, right? And the F's were, uh, I'm like spilling all my tea. The F's were the professors. Now, I I don't like blaming other people, but like they were terrible. Everybody in that class was struggling. I was talking to people like I was. Like, I can't be this bad. I was talking. To other, uh, there was. There was at least half the class had like D's. I don't think mm-hmm. there was a single person would have been in the class. So it was bad. And he was like, "What are you gonna do? You gonna make it? You gonna make it?" I'm like, "I got to." Like you know, say so I got to make. It. So I ended up finishing with all B's and one C. But it that mm-hmm. the whole football thing with it was it was rough. But it took me four and a half. I should have taken me six, but I finished in four and a half. I got a bachelor's in physics and astronomy, minor in math, which is a shock because my math was terrible, and an emphasis in astrophysics. Mm. But you talk about tough. I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm not going to make it. There's one, one chemistry class I took. I had, a, I had an F the entire semester. After the first assignment, I had an F the entire semester. And I'm like, I got to figure it out. Because the professor, he had PowerPoints. He's reading from the PowerPoints, word for word. But there's, it's bullet points on the PowerPoint. So it's mm. not like it's a lot of, it's just bullet points. He's reading word for word. So I'm like, all right, coming to class isn't helping. Well, coming to class isn't. So I stopped going to class, taught myself <laughs> the information. And I got my grade up to a C uh, after I took the final. But I, I went into the final with an F, a high F. Mm. And I'm like, hey, it's do or die. And I ended up passing it to where it brought my grade up to a C and that was that. And Because I should have taken computer science, but I took chemistry which... Oh, man. I know. It was terrible. Yeah. But I'm glad I took chemistry because the astro I do is so much chemistry, so I actually kind of needed it. But... True. Hey, that was tough. But enough about that. Enough about that. Um, so, uh, before we get on to more about you uh, in terms of like, you know, your extracurriculars, if you could give some advice, you know, maybe one, two, however many things of advice you want to give to somebody that, especially somebody that's a minority that doesn't have that, somebody that looks like them in their field. There's not a lot of black physicists. There's not a lot of black scientists in general. Um, and so growing up as a kid, you don't really think that that's an option for you. Like if we're being honest, especially I'm not from the hood, I'm from the suburbs, but if you're from the, you know, from the hood or, or a lower income area, the only way you know of getting out is either rapping or sports. That that to a lot of to a lot of those kids, that's the only way out. That or 
you know, dealing until you make enough to get out. That's to them. That's the only op that to them. Some of them that they're taught that's the only way to get out. But there's so many more ways to get out. You know, academics. It could be a, a liable option for somebody to make it out or to just make a good living for themselves. Um, but a lot of people don't, you know, you don't see that. And we don't think that that's an option for us because we don't see it. So is there any advice you'd give to somebody that's listening that, you know, th that wants to get in the STEM, but is intimidated because they feel like they don't fit in or they have that imposter syndrome? Is there anything, you know, you could, would say to them that are kind of on the fence about <clears throat> diving in? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think the most important thing to do, of course, you know, start as early as you want, I mean, as you can, but, you know, if you can try to tour school, if they got like a virtual tour or something, kind of like physically take yourself out of the space into a different space. And I feel like that kind of opens up the door and starts to click like, okay, I can do other, you know, I can do other stuff, you know, especially in school with a bunch of minorities and HBCU, those are always great. You see other people that look like you in different positions. Right. You know, you, you can't really find them where you're at. So if you have the option to drive or fly or whatever, you know, it's tough. But if you can't go somewhere and just kind of, you know, even people watch or something, but just see other people or go on social media and, you know, find other people who look like you in these positions that kind of makes you feel a little bit more comfortable. Like, okay, you know, I'm not the first one. I'm not the only one. You know, other people's kind of been paving this path already. Right. And if you could just get this a huge hurdle to see yourself in that position. But if you kind of chip at it, you're, you know, just slowly at a time and it becomes more realistic as a picture, as a goal. So I think that would probably be one of the most important things. And the other one is just, uh, you know, a lot of people, it, you just got to figure out how to open your mind, you know, keep an open mind to stuff like, you know, if you don't want to do something, just get out the comfort zone. Right. Comfort zone is really holding us holding us back. Oh, that's great. Um, uh, I, you had said something that reminded me of something, but I forgot it. Um, so some advice I would give. Um, well, going off of piggyback off of what you said, like get out of your comfort zone. That's like a huge one because I feel like. Um, a lot of people, we get so comfortable with just kind of just doing what we see around us. So if you're, you know, if you're, especially if you ride with the wrong group or you ride with people that, you know, that do, that's not, you know, ride with the wrong group and you're around that and you think that's the, you know, that's all you want to do, you know, be open-minded. Like, you know, there's other ways. Uh, oh, I remember what I was going to say. One, the biggest, I think the most important thing for me that I would say to, to anybody is find what you're good at. I know a lot of people, uh, they, they, they don't want to, it's just weird. Like find what you're good at. And if there's an opportunity to go to school to better that or to sharpen that, I say, go for it. Like, you know, if, um, if you're great at arguing, like that's a skill. Arguing is a legit skill. You know, see, see if law school or, or, politics is something you want to get into um you know find something you're good at and see if there's an opportunity in it like if uh i know um my little brother trey he loves video games right like he loves it you know parents they're like video games are from the devil right like, it's terrible well i'm just like you know if he likes video games see if he wants to like uh 
go to school to be a, a, a video designer or like, you know, work, you know, cause there's jobs for designing video games. See if there's an opportunity. If he loves video games like that, take it and run with it. Now, you know, I'm not saying he should drop everything he's doing and try to become a professional video gamer, but, you know, let him, you know, take a course or two in, in digital design, something along those lines, or, or like I said, uh, programming video you know maybe you can make a video game or something like that or if you know if you like to draw art school like if if that's what you want to do obviously now you know some people just want to go to school get that business degree and then just figure it out from there but i say find what you're good at and see if there's an opportunity for it um another piece of advice i would give is kind of going back to the comfort zone thing is especially as a minority have have thick skin I feel like if you can live your life not caring what other people think about you, it'll go a long way, you know, because you get that feeling of isolation. I used to get that feeling of isolation used to kill me. Now, I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I walk, if I'm the only black person in the room, I recognize it, but it doesn't bother me because I do this. You know, I know what I'm doing. I'm a, you know, I'm a master of my craft. So I've said, you know, have thick skin. Don't, don't let, don't, don't sweat the small stuff, you know, if, Somebody, if you're going through some tough times with an advisor or professor and, you know, you think that they're discriminating against you, you know, prove them wrong. You know, you know, oh, yeah, I, you know, I got to deal with this, but just keep pushing through, have thick skin and just be determined. You know, uh, speaking of being determined, one more thing. What's your drive? Whether it's life or academics, like uh, what is your main drive to keep going? Every day, right? It's super simple. Uh, I just ask myself, why not? You know, and then I just do it. Like, why not do something? Right. You know, if I don't do it, then I don't get the experience. So why not try it? Get the experience, learn from it. So I just keep it simple like that, straightforward with everything. You know, hey, it gets it done. Why not? Yeah. Right. Why not? You know. Yeah. It's like, why, why would you want to get a master's in physics? Why not? Yeah. Right? Hey. yeah. That's why I'm here, you know. Why not? Exactly. Look, I'll tell you this. What people don't know, you have a physics degree, unemployment rate. was I think it's the lowest, one and a half percent. Yeah, man. So you have a 90, oh, my CTE, 90, <laughs> was it 98.5 employment Basically, if you get a physics degree, you have a 98.5% chance of being employed. Your first year out. That's your first year out of college. So you're talking about job security? Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Just throwing that out there for anybody trying to get into some physics or chemistry, <laughs> anything. I'm Look, STEM, well, the stats for physics degrees, but y'all yeah. come on over to the dark side. We won't, we won't talk about engineers. People don't know physics and engineers have a rivalry. Beef. Right, but it's it's a competitive rivalry. It, it makes the fields better for that. All right, now kind of just getting into some. So, like, what do you like to do in your free time? Like, what keeps you sane? What's your stress reliever? How do you relax? Uh, I already know. I already know one of the answers. <laughs> and you know, lately, uh, starting lifting weights again. You know, we've been hitting the gym. That's been cool. Uh, listen to music. You know, kind of regular stuff. I, of course, I like. Uh, I started two years ago, two and a half years ago, doing jujitsu. And 
changed my life, man. You know, all those people say, do you just you change your life? I'm like, yeah, you know, why not? So I tried it. <laughs> you know? So I stuck to the motto. I, funny enough, um, so I'm doing 24-hour fitness in like a little strip center, you know, they got, you know, I'm coming out and I'm walking and I look up to the uh, right of me and I see like a sign, a new sign. It says Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I was like, that's new. That wasn't there the other day. So I'm like, all right, let me go uh, see what's up. Walked in. I met this one guy, at the, uh, you know, the the master, the, the coach. And he was pretty cool, dude, short from Brazil. I was like, yo, man, what's up? I'm like, yo, yeah. I'm like, uh, what is this? You know what I got to do? He was <laughs> like, hey, just come back, uh, you know, Sunday or something, you know, come try it out. I'm like, all right, you know, why not? So, um, uh, like, Sunday before, I'm nervous, man. I'm like, man, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm freaking out. I'm sweating because, you know, the unknown is just, it's just naturally scary. Right. So, you know, I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, let me go. And I always start, like, if it's something I really don't want to do because I'm nervous, like, it took me a long time to figure out this, but it's the small stuff. Like, put the shoes on, you know, put the clothes on first, slowly walk towards the door. Okay, now start the car. I'm like, all right, now we start the car. Now we got to keep going. You know, now drive, you know, all that. So I take it step by step. So I get there. I get beat up, you know, as <laughs> simple as that. Just new guy, bunch right. of people who've never been doing it for years, just, you know, beat me up. And uh, I'm like, man, that was kind of fun, you know. I was like. All right, we keep going back, you know. So I just kept going and going and going. And I was going like five, six times a week, Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturday and Sunday. And man, I've seen a huge improvement, just, you know, overall fitness. So being a grappler is just a bunch of cardio and conditioning. So I had stamina out the world. So I was like, all right, this feels cool, man, you know. Right. That's one of my hobbies. And I kind of gateweighted, well, I was always a fan of like MMA and stuff to begin with because you know it was it didn't seem as scary because it wasn't a team. It's kind of just like two people. You don't have to worry about the the you know large crowd and stuff like that. So right. all right, cool. You know, it's kind of like gravitated me towards it a lot more. And then there's no balls, you know, I can't uh I don't have the best vision. So <laughs> everything I need to see. Everything you need to see is literally right in front of you. You don't right. have to worry about, you know, catching or nothing like that, which, you know, death perception and all that stuff gets kind of rough. So I'm like, man, you know, this sport, I kind of feel like I fit in, you know, right? The, the combat stuff. So what's, what's the, so now I'm intrigued. So is there a, a time at the, 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 uh, what they call it, is a dojo the right word for that type yeah, of place? You call it a gym, the BJJ gym or something. All right. <laughs> so at the gym, has there ever been a time where you like, like you hit like a wild move on somebody or like you got somebody and it's like some weird chokehold or something? Yeah, man. Uh, a couple times that I had like, uh, you know, one of those like, wow, it's a cool move, cool moment, you know, each time. You, you try to be respectable, you know, you don't want to just right. be like, eh, you know, no, that's, that's kind of a, that's not a cool move. So you just, you know, be respectable. And I'm like, man, you know, I feel a lot better with progress than other people would be like, man, you, you getting kind of good. Bro, I remember, what, uh, bro, take me through it. Like, how did it happen? Like, take me through, like, or he, did he try to like counter it? And you like, like, take, take us, take us through the, the t what happened. So, uh, okay. I'll start off with, there's two types of people. You will, there are two types of people. There's people who compete and people who do it for fun. 
Right. You know, I was kind of like in between on there. This is like right before I, I competed for the first time. So I was kind of training. I was getting ready. I was feeling good. And, uh, you know, you start off, you slap the fist. That's kind of how like, you start the, start the match. And then we're going. I just, you know, you're just like one step ahead. Like you don't really think. It just becomes like a flow. Yeah. That's like when you're in the zone. So it's a thing called a cowboy choke or boy and arrow choke. I forgot the name. Essentially, this back when I was in the gi, you so imagine you're wearing a jacket, right? And I take my hand and I grab the cross side of your jacket and right. I you know, pull it, so no slack in it, right? right? So now I tighten this elbow, uh, my right elbow, and I'll yank it towards the back and then I'll cross over it and pick up your left leg. And then you pull the jacket and the left leg towards you while pushing with your legs on the torso, so you're kind of being choked pull like in this weird motion and it feels horrible it, feels <laughs> it sounds horrible it, it feels and sounds horrible but it is cool to pull off it's just like you know it's kind of like the realization like man all that you know hard work really paid off like right you know just practice 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 really makes a difference so and then you 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 actually competed man yeah uh, I, I didn't know that so, you know, the coach was like, man, you're pretty good. You should try to compete. And everybody was like, hey, you should compete. You should compete. You know, I look athletic. You know, I've been athletic for the most part. And, you know, people who typically look like they can do a lot of stuff, they kind of urge them to be more active. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I go out there at like 7 a.m., I think 7.30 a.m., I go away in. I'm super hungry, super nervous. And I'm at the, I don't know if you've been to NRG Stadium in Houston, but next to it, it's like a, a NRG arena or something. Mm-hmm. Big open space. So I'm like, all right, I walk in. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is way too many people. I thought this was going to be like a small thing. So, you know, I had to weigh in at like 7 a.m. And then the match did start to like 2.30. So I'm just kind of sitting there walking around and at the same time, they had a powerlifting competition going on. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching that. And I'm like, man, these dudes kind of strong. I'm like, all right, this look cool. <laughs> they got the little log there. Ah, yeah. Log and everything. So I'm watching that. And then, uh, you know, so I, you know, eventually hours, hours go by. And I'm finally, uh, I'm finally, I'm finally ready to go. I'm like, all right, you know streaming with nervousness and everything. My coach, he went off somewhere. So it was like the secondary coaches in there kind of, you know, he's like, all right, come on, let's go, let's go. It's your guy. And it's like, bang, bang, bang. There's no lead up, like, you know, the MMA fights. They don't call it, they don't do all that. Right. This is like low level. So they say, Xavier and the other guy. So you go in there and the ref's right there. And then again, you shake the hand and then you go. And on that, it's like instantaneous. It, it, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> So I wasn't really thinking. It was just like, you know, like go mode. It was like, all right, that's what I've been doing. So, you know, I'm just, uh, I kind of get the, you know, certain positions to be better. And then I set up that same joke that I was just talking about earlier. And I'm not thinking the whole time. This is just all instinct. Like muscle memory. (laughs) Yeah, muscle memory. And then this, everything went south after this, bro. Everything went south. So, you know, I hear my coach start calling my name and then I kind of like snapped out of it I was like oh he took you out the zone <laughs> yeah out the zone you know I, I had the adrenaline dump and everything and I like you know hesitated for a second 
And I was like, oh. And then the uh, dude reversed position, got out, did the move that I was about to do to him, to me. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Basically, <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, what? What is going on? So that's how that went. And uh, yeah, I haven't competed since. I don't uh, have health insurance right now. because My ankle was destroyed after that. Oh, uh, really? After that day, yeah. It was rough. It took about a couple of days to get back to normal. But Jeez. a learning experience. Not the health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely makes sense if you're going to be doing Virginia Jiu-Jitsu have some insurance. But, man, I did not know that. But that's what's up. Um, yeah, man, so look, I'll open the floor. If there's anything you want to talk about or bring up or ask, you got the floor. Oh, uh, man. We talk about MMA, you know, I'm big about MMA. Uh, I guess, you know, one of the things I like about <clears throat> watching the sports is it's so heavy on the, it's kind of like basketball, like the person you follow their story for a long time. So right. just watching somebody come up and then, you know, become great. So that kind of got me into just appreciating greatness from, you know, what people do, like, no matter what the task is, no matter, you know, whatever they do, just appreciating how good at something is. And like, man, that is impressive. Um, you know, I'm kind of seeing that in other places in life, just basketball, uh, right. professors who could just teach, you know, just whatever. So kind of just one extra thing. Uh, yeah. Oh, going off of that. I feel like one of the big reasons why it was so easy for me to get into MMA, obviously besides that it's super exciting, because I'm sitting there like, <laughs> I feel like I'm seeing them swing, I'm dodging myself, like, oh, oh, snap. Or if I hear you hear like a kick and it's loud, I'm like, oh. But yeah. I feel like one, one big thing I feel like uh, how I was so easily able to fall into it is because like you said, stories and it's such an individual sport. Like you said, like, yeah, they have, a team with a coach and trainer, yada, yada. But like when it's, when the, when the ref says go, it's mono e mono, it's one-on-one. And I relate to that because I ran track. Track was my best sport for my career, even though I didn't do it in college. Track's my best sport. And yeah, we're on a team. And if you get first, you score points for your team. But when that gun goes off, it's you versus seven other runners. Yeah, It's so, I and then it's, your individual work is directly correlated to your success. Like, you know, football, you can, if you're a receiver or a linebacker or running back, your, your success, your hard work doesn't necessarily directly correlate. It could indirectly correlate, but you could be one of the greatest running backs ever and you work super hard. But if your offensive line can't block for you, your success is limited no matter how hard you work. Now, obviously, if you work super, super hard, you can make, you know, let's say a line, uh, offensive line misses a block and you can make that guy shake. You got to work harder. You can make up for some of that. But if your O-line blocks nobody, I don't care how good you are running back, you're not going to get great numbers for the whole season. Yeah. Same with basketball. You know, you can have Michael Jordan, you know, when he in the 80s or whatever, before he made his championship run, he didn't make it past the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. And he, you know, we're talking one of the one of the greatest of all time to play. He needed help. They had to go get Scottie Pippen, the number two player in the NBA at the time. And they had to go get Dennis Robin, one of the greatest defenders to ever play the game. 
for him to make this. Now, obviously, they wanted someone without Dennis Rodman, but he was there for a large part of that. He needed help. He was great himself, but he couldn't get it done by himself. Same with LeBron. There became a point where he had to go to Miami because this yeah. is a whole other conversation, but you talk about super teams. If we're being technical, that Lakers team in the 80s was a super team. That Laker, the Celtics team that they put together to beat LeBron, that was a super team. But regardless, it wasn't enough. No matter how hard he worked, he could do it himself. In track, in wrestling, in MMA, your hard work is a direct correlation to your success because it is only you. It is on you 100% all the way through. And so seeing that, that connection between track and MMA, I was like, oh, yeah. Because you can literally watch the fight and be like, oh, he trained his ass off for this. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can, you know, just like when you run, when you see track, like they're, when they're <laughs> killing it, oh, he trained hard. And you see the, you hear the backstories, you see the highlights of them, like putting in stupid, stupid hours. It's like, that's greatness. Just like with uh, Usman, uh, Conor yeah. McGregor, Francis, you can see the hard work they put in just from the fight. And you don't even, see, you don't see the hard work they put in, but from the fight, you know, Oh, he put in hours, hours. He's in better shape. He's dodging all the moves. He's not gassed out. He's the focus in their eyes, the precision. That's one of the main reasons why I, it was so easy for me to just watch the MMA fight and be like, oh, yeah, I, I can get into this. Definitely, man, definitely. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that stuff's great. And then for we're also, for people that don't know, we're watching some fights tonight. <laughs> Bellator, Ooh. right? Yeah, Bellator fight Friday is coming back. They came back. Yeah, so we watch fights regularly. But, man, X, it was great having you on. Uh, is there anything you want to say to anybody listening or watching before we hop off? Uh, you know, everybody out there, you know, stay great. If you uh, kind of question yourself, just, you know, ask why not. Why not be great? Why not be great? That's as simple as it needs to be right there. Why be great? But, yeah, man, I appreciate your hopping on, X. Uh, hopefully we can get some more in the future. We can have, like, fight night coverage and stuff like that. That would be pretty cool. But uh, thank you guys for listening or watching if this is you're on the YouTube channel. Um, I'm glad to get um, an IV Talks episode back up because um, I've been busy with the Garden 615. But y'all have it here. Y'all heard it here. And, uh, X, thanks again for coming out, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. That's it. All right. We'll catch you guys next time.